in the Gora Ashtakalya Lila, Apurana Kalye Priyagana Mili, Bhutana Mohana Visha, Nadia Narbade, Priyagare Bade. Bhutana Mohana Visha. Um, Dijidas is having special significance um, in relation to Prabhupada's kind of emphasis on Sankirtan and um, distributing kind of this Gaur Bhakti, Krishna Bhakti kind of I wouldn't uh, think of it like that per se. Um, uh, the verse is, of course, about the uh, um, afternoon leelas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu corresponding with Krishna's leelas. And Krishna leela, of course, he's now come back from Radhakund reunited with all the gopas, and uh, they're heading home. Hmm? It's cow dust, a time of day when the cows are coming home and their hooves are kicking the dust up into the sky, and it's blocking out the sun who feels embarrassed and is setting to get out of the way of the brilliance of the sun, that the illuminating um persona of Krishna himself and all of the other inhabitants of uh, uh, the village are waiting with um, youngsters on the rooftops shouting, here they come, and so forth. So, um, correspondingly, in, in Gaur-lila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was sported with his associates in the Ganga, and and um, now they're returning home. So on the way home, they do the procession of Sankirtan. They do Sankirtan on their way out, also in the mid-morning, um, after breakfast, some after Bhagavatam discourse, Magadadar Pandit, Seva Puja, so forth, as we do, cooking by... Vishnu Priya, then uh, a little rest, and then Mahaprabhu goes with his associates to go to room, and they perform Sankirtan there, <clears throat> and across the Ganga and so forth, and as I say, the midday pastimes, and then this is Aparana in the af- afternoon, late afternoon, <clears throat> and uh, so it's described that they're meeting Aparana Kale. Priyagana Mile. So, meeting with his associates, and they come into the Nagar, the town of Navadweep, and they go through the streets. And Mahaprabhu is uh, uh, in a procession of Sankirtan. And um, the secret there is, of course, he looks very beautiful, the verse describes, bewildering, bewitching, and so forth, but he he goes into every single house, every single house, and and I, each one thinks he came to my house today. 
he brought his Sankirtan party to my house every day. <laughs> he goes into every house and comes back, and then they follow the cows across the Ganga and come back home and so forth, prepare for the evening. Um, some puja and get it de- decked out, dressed up, and head out for the kirtan mm-hmm. at Srivasa's house. So that particular um, description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and doing Nagarsan kirtan um, is something that everybody um, relishes, and it's central to his um, Bomalila, his campaign, his outreach. Mm-hmm. It's it's sadhya and sadhana. So the verses about the the, uh, the sadhya, the ideal, the the nitya lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We can see kirtan is going on in the nitya lila. It's going on here as a means to attain the nitya lila as well. Uh, here it's a dispensation that extends uh, to uh, newcomers and so forth. There it's. Um, Illuminating the hearts of the of the eternal uh, residents of the Dom. So, Prabhupada's uh, extensive campaign of outreach in Sankirtan um, is uh, unique, and uh, but it's more uh, analogous, as I've said before, and Puja Patridharmarsh pointed out, but in other ways as well as I pointed out to the to the campaign of of Nityananda Prabhu which was very much a Nagar Kirtan campaign through the villages in Bengal. Um, and he empowered his associates, the Dvadasa Gopals, and um, they were further than um, commissioned by him, who was particularly um, ordered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do this kind of extended outreach to the downtrodden people, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had taken sannyas for the sake of further distributing his message and um, taking advantage of the respect that the dress of a sannyasi garnered naturally in the society um, and in and of itself, so to speak, created a teaching moment. Hmm? And uh, so he, but but there were some um, restrictions, if you will, that go with that order in terms of conduct, behavior, and so forth, that uh, he didn't feel, he felt confined him to some extent, and didn't enable him, for example, to go to uh, the uh, uh, lowly places of um, of uh, 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 ill uh, rapport, uh, uh, even impious places, um, to deliver the people because of a sannyasi is seen in a in a at the bar, <laughs> then people will think, why should we listen to him? So Nityananda Prabhu was commissioned for that. He told him, don't return to Jagannath Puri, as he was doing every year with the other associates of Mahaprabhu and spend time with Chaitanya Devan Puri, but to remain in Bengal, deliver the fallen people there. So they've made a huge campaign, and the outreach of Prabhupada is, is analogous to that. It was, as I said the other night, I believe it was a, it was a spiritual campaign, but within the, within it there was a, there was a social kind of uh, welfare, human welfare, social activism, was uh, very much uh, um, a byproduct of that 
um, uplifting the, the materially the situation of the people in um, in Bengal, especially in certain parts of Bengal, especially among the Subarnavanic community that had been uh, made. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur in his commentary on Chaitanya Bhagavat compares their plight and that of uh, really the main leader of that community, Udarandatta, to that of Haridas Thakur, which means they were outcasts, they were made outcasts by Balal Sain, the ruler of the time. There's a long story uh, behind that. And so it made it difficult for them to uh, have a happy social life. And, and so Nityananda Prabhu altered that and uplifted them in the community, their position. And, and of course, they were nominal Vaishnavas. Balal Sain was a patron of the Vaishnavas and of the Sanskrit language and so forth. Um, um, but they were, like I say, you know, like nominal. But he, is, um, like Udarandatta, was a great pundit also. So they preached the Sambandha Gyan. They did Harinam everywhere widely delivering the people. So they were the downtrodden people, they were outcasts, if you will, uh, of sorts. And so similarly the people of uh, in the Western world were thought of as such from the Barnashram point of view and uh, probably widely um, campaigned amongst them and um, performed Sankirtan and so forth and advocated this. Um, and he's a member of the Suvarnavarni community. <laughs> he's born in that community also. Uh, Udarandatta was a patron saint of Prabhupada's family. They would go annually to uh, to uh, Saptagram or Udarandatta Pur and um, worship the deity of Udarandatta and his deities there. Um, and he's written some things uh, about it. So um, it very much fits together um, the, in terms of Prabhupada's campaign being an extension of the original wave of outreach that um, um, began in, in Bengal. I mean, Mahaprabhu did outreach by way of speaking to educated people like Sarabhama Bhattacharya, hmm? like Venkata Bhatta in South India, Prakashananda in Manares, Hmm. These are some of his major converts. Uh, of course, he educated Rupa and Sanatan, and his doctrine, uh, Sanatan Siksha Rupa Siksha, is there in Chaitanya Charitamrita. But this was a certain level of outreach that was very uh, appropriate for and dignified for for a sannyasi. But Nityanandapur's campaign was not like that. He wasn't converting big educated people, he was picking up the common people, common people, and uh, uplifting them, say, say, say socially, and turning their nominal Vaishnavism into Vaishnavism that's grounded in proper Sambandha Gyan, and their awkwardness socially was overcome by Kirtan. Kirtan, Sankirtan became the social event where they would gather together. Let's get together and do Kirtan, you know, over, you know, Das's house. <laughs> so they would go take kirtan, be prashadam, and this, this was this became all other, you know, uh, 
standards, whatnot, and of etiquette, of social uh, etiquette and, uh, uh, and, and norms and so forth were kind of overridden, and it was a new form of uh, socializing, social for getting together socially. It was, it was an kirtan. It served like a secondary purpose and a higher purpose um, at the same time. Um, so um, his campaign was not sophisticated in the same way as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. I mean, you're going to talk to Prakashananda Saraswati, you know, had thousands of sannyasi disciples, and Sarvabhauma, the greatest logician in all of India, and Venkatabhata, the head priest of the Ramanuja, Sampradaya's Srirangam temple, and so forth. Nityananda was going to Jagais and Madais, and and then, of course, to the, as I say, to the, to the common uh, people and this mercantile community in particular. So, um, big, wide, generous um, campaign, kind of working on two levels, as I say, social activism, hmm, improving the, the plight, the material situation, and spiritual uh, dispensation. Hmm. And you could see Prabhupada had a little bit of uh, both going on, if you will, as as well. And um, and, it can't, and there's a there's a strong resemblance between the nature of that um, that outreach of Nityananda Prabhu and that of Prabhupada Sridhar Maharaj beautifully pointed out um, many years ago. And the connection again with the Suvarnavani community in Bengal. Prabhupada's a member of that community. So that's how you're going to make that, you want to make a connection with what Prabhupada did and what was happening during the manifest leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Well, you know, that's, you enter into Prabhupada's kirtan and that's where you are. <laughs> you're there uh, in the kirtan presided over by Nidai Chand and it's, uh, it's got a bleeding, bleeding heart, um, which troubled some of the other Parivars. Uh, bringing in so many un, 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 uh, un, uncontrolled people. <laughs> As I've heard complaints from the Gadadhar Paribar about the Nityananda Paribar, and how Nityananda brought all these people in. And it's, uh, uh, <laughs> disturbing. They're, they're not very, they're very uncouth, something like this kind of, uh, no, no discrimination, but... Uh, that was his. Um, he was commissioned to do that by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He himself was a little bit, um, as we explained the other night, a little bit socially um, um, awkward. Um, so uh, anyway, that's where you want to make make a comparison. I think between widespread Sankirtan and Gaur Leela and Prabhupada's campaign, which is is was very is a very remarkable um, um, uh, example of outreach. That that's the only thing it really is analogous to. I mean, you have to consider the wide reach of Nityananda Prabhu's um, influence. It was uh, uh, tremendous. Goswamis were going about it in a different way by writing books. It was huge. It was a revolution. Um, and Prabhupada's work was extraordinary, going to different continents and 
so on and so forth. Nityananda Vesh, we have understood him as such, to be empowered by Nitai for for that kind of uh, work. <clears throat> uh, so we are fortunate to be members of that uh, that particular branch, if you will, of the Bhaktivinod Paribar, which was itself very much about innovative outreach and um, dissemination of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. This is unique, really. You don't find this. There are many, many lineages of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You, you, you won't find any that have this kind of penchant for preaching, outreach, canvassing, and so forth. Um, and, of course, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is also coming in the Nityananda Paribar. He's coming in the Nityananda Paribar after Janava took the leading role and Nityananda Prabhu had passed on. And then, then her, she being Angamanjari, the Madhurya um, dispensation from Nityananda Paribar was coming. And so Bhaktivinoda is coming in that Madhurya dispensation from the Nityananda Paribar, which is originally a Sakyaras um, Paribar. But again, given the influence of Janava and the rise to prominence she had, which corresponded hmm, with the Goswamis have now come out with all these books hmm, about Madhurya Rasa and the inner meaning of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent and so forth. So it eclipsed somewhat the Sakyarasa dispensation. Hmm? And um, although you see, you read Bhakti Radnika, you see the respect Janava had for Gauridas Pandit, for Udharandatta, these Dwarasagopal, these associates of Nityananda Prabhu was but by the time that she had risen to prominence, they were uh, older and passing on. Maybe Miniketan was was younger. He was there at Ketori Gram at the festival hmm, that she presided over, where all the associates got together again in 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 a large uh, group in a large way uh, to commemorate. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his passing, which was devastating for them. So at this point, there is this strong um, uh, wave of Madhurya Rasa. And um, so Bhakti Manu comes from the Paribar on that, that side. But you can see in his writings that he has, he, 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 he nonetheless, uh, he, he is. He is uh, uh, um, repeatedly he um, uh, demonstrates through his writing. He shows kind of deference to the earlier uh, dispensation of Nityananda Prabhu's sector. I mean, there's a, there's a, the prominent example of that, of course, is his his probably most um, popular work. Jaiva Dharma. In Jaiva Dharma, he uh, tries to uh, put all of the teachings of Satsandarbha, of Ujwal Nilmani, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, all into his book in the form of questions and answers between the main um, players, Vijay uh, uh, Kumar and Brajanath. And they approach their gurus and they ask questions, the answers come, and so the teachings all come out. It's an attractive kind of narrative 
with uh, a little bit of narrative at the beginning and end of each chapter, and then in between, of course, it's filled with all the siksha. And if you study carefully, see these are references to this sandarva, this sandarva, this Bhaktivasamrita, uh, and here he's giving the whole Ujjvalnilalani, in, in essence, towards the end, and, and so forth. So he's representing the Goswami's teachings uh, very uh, faithfully and artfully there. Um, same time, the main uh, characters in the book, Bijay Kumar and Brajanath, uh, he through them he demonstrates that this uh, sampradaya is a window of opportunity, as I like to call it sometimes, into Madhurya Rasa and Sakya Rasa, because his two main characters, students there, are. Uh, 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 attracted to Madhuri Rasa, Manjuri Bhava, and the uh, Sakya Rasa of, of Subal. Why did he put them in there? Why? I mean, why? Did, why is why is one of the guys interested in, in Sakya Rasa? This is a very it's subtle, but it's not that subtle. If you're astute, it's a very kind of like strong uh, statement. Hmm? Such possibility. So, in, in some there's some. This is one example. Other examples in his novel, Baba Taranga also he shows some deference to this earlier dispensation of the Prabhu when he uh, comes meditates on Godrum and he sees Gore and his associates doing kirtan. This is in the morning. Purvana samaye suklambara adi they're doing kirtan at the Suklambar Brahmachari's house, and and he envisions them there in Godrum. Godrum is the island that represents um, kirtan, hmm? and uh, of course, the, the place of all the places of Krishna's pastimes in Braj, of course, are there in Navadweep. They're not all ordered, so Godrum is the island of kirtan. It's not the island that represents Sakiras. I think that's Ritrudweep. Um, but Nandagram is there in in um, Godrum, which is saturated with Sakiras in Braj. So you might wonder why these places are not like, well, why is it Nandagram there? It's said because when Krishna comes as Gore, things get a little turned upside down. <laughs> so the spot landed over here, this one landed over here, and so forth. After all, it's it's Krishna on tilt, so to speak, you know, trying to understand himself from Radha's perspective and all of a sudden the 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 the, the, the flute playing uh, Nayaka lover has become a, a sannyasi and a, and a devotee and so forth. So at any rate, um there they are in Godrum and and uh Bhaktivinod's meditating on it and he, he he gives a nice um, um shares a vision. Mahaprabhu and his associates they see the cowherd boys that are living in, in Godrum, herding their cows, and the cowherd boys speak to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and they say, Hey, Gopal, hmm? what's this, you know, you're dressed up like a Brahmin. You're not a Brahmin. Come on, uh, carry us on your shoulders. Let's go cowherding. Hmm? So he makes nice statements like this, glorifying that this place in Mahaprabhu. What happens, of course, is Mahaprabhu and his associates that are in that are in Sakiras, they now suddenly they the whole uh, uh, kind of the, the, the 
the world parts and they find themselves in their Krishna Lila Sarup, so there's Krishna and, and, and Balaram and, and and this is happening in the context of the Kirtan and the coward boys. They talk with them, they have some exchange and um and so forth. And Bhakti Vinod then makes a prayer at the end of this. And um the the language, the Bengali language is such that it can be interpreted perfectly in two different ways. Hmm? One way is that he prays that he could live in Abhadweep, hmm? or that he could live in Godrum and witness the such uh, 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 coward pastimes of, of Krishna from the Madhurya Rasa perspective that the whole book is written in because he's steeped in, in Madhurya Rasa. It's a confessional text, ultimately, where in the end he, he explains himself to how he sees himself. He's seeing Navadweep and explaining it and, and expressing his um, feelings, his revelations, meditating on different parts of it. And in the end he says, and I see myself as such, Kamala Manjari, this is my service, and so forth. It's a very extraordinary uh, work. Hmm? So the point anyway being that the last line there hmm, is can be interpreted that way, or it can be interpreted to say, equally grammatically correct, that may I reside here in in the Bhava Vagopa hmm, eternally. So it becomes a meditation either way. Um, so it's it's, uh, and I've written a little bit about this too. Um, um, it's another example. Jiva Dharma is an, there are other examples as well, but it's another one in which here in a confessional text he shows. You, you can see he's he's giving a place for those in 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 Sakyarasa to feel at home in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar and showing some deference to the previous wave in the very Nityananda Paribar that he comes, him coming later under the influence of Janava and the Madhurya Rasa um, influence. So it's a very, um, um, that that outreach of Nityananda Prabhu, hmm, it's carried over, that part of it's carried over to Bhakti Vinod. Hmm. The, the Bhakti Vinod Paribar is, is the, the preaching lineage within Gaudiya Vaishnava. There's no comparison anywhere. Uh, I mean, it, it, and that his idea envisioning, you know, interfacing with the modern world and so on and so forth. I mean, nobody, um, no other lineage has any thoughts like that. Hmm? They, you know, circulate in the, in the holy doms. Uh, and do bhajan, and people come, and some people join, and so forth. And it's not a bad thing. But I mean, what Nityananda Prabhu was doing, you know, that is not continuing in in Bengal, even um, by any stretch of the imagination, anywhere near the same measure. What to speak of, you know, f- flowing to other parts of the world, and so forth. So. It's coming in that aspect, I want to say, of Nityananda Prabhu's dispensation prior to Janava becoming prominent, Nityananda passing away, it's kind of carried over into Bhakti Vinod, although he's in Madhurya Rasa. Hmm? He takes that part, but he, he, he's kind of like showed deference to Nityananda Prabhu, and he's having a huge um, campaign. Hmm? Nowadays, of course, 
there are problems that can arise in any lineage, and ours is no exception to that. So some people who were influenced by our campaign in other parts of the world and in India as well have been disappointed by um, by it as well in some instances. Um, and uh, and uh, from our party bar, which there are, you know, different different sects at this time. Ours is okay, but <laughs> some of them have had some problems. And so people have left there, and then they and they maybe have gone to other party bars, you know, in Radhakund or in other places, in Navadweep or here and there. And when they go there, they hear, they hear it's a teaching, they learn something, they get their initiation there, and then what do they do? Then they want to, they, they want to print some books or something like that. <laughs> That's what they do. And so they're, they're, they're in apprentice books and put it on the internet, you know, and all, all this, and, and criticize the Bhakti Minod party. But the, but the very thing that they're doing, that outreach, is the only characteristic of Bhakti Minod's um, um, campaign uh, and so forth. So they should kind of put it all together and um, and appreciate it uh, for, for what it is. And, and of course, in due course, you'll find out that there are problems in that party bar too that have, you know, don't necessarily make it um, in any way defunct or anything, but um, different interpretations of the same point, the same text, and so it's everywhere. Hmm. So find the group you like, respect the other groups, uh, and they all have their um, pluses and and minuses. Uh, Ours is particularly characterized by this outreach and that is very much the influence of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm. Commissioned by, just the, it's the way you see it go on, commissioned by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do that kind of outreach. We do other kind too. We write books and, and try to talk to educated people and so forth, but by and large, the dispensation has been very uh, wide and broad and this way uh, characteristic of Nityananda Prabhu. We'll bring some 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 depth to it as well would be our idea. And, hmm, as broad as it gets, then we come and fill in. But anyway, so that's how I would think about Prabhupada's campaign in re- in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates and what was going on at the time <coughs> of um, their presence in the in, in the world. So help, right, right. What else? Um, okay. You mentioned that the, the Dwarashi Gopals had a lot of um, what you'd call just regular um, like they were doing prashad distribution and that kind of thing. And then, but then later on we hear about that uh, Mundane, so-called mundane welfare work is basically put down really heavily. Well, um, yeah, they were um, that Udarndot is called Patita Patita Pavana Udarana Patita Patita, helping the fallen fallen people. As I said, I think the other night he had a, he had a had a ten-acre kitchen and storage for cooking and serving the people of uh, Bengal Prashadam during the during the drought, 
And then he took Ked one forest, he, took, he built housing there for them all. Um, yeah, uh, I think that um, the way to harmonize it is that, that what he was doing was this welfare that has a material side of it, like building houses for people and so forth. All the people living in them had become converted. <laughs> so he's making housing for devotees, in a sense. Um, and uh, distributing prasadam, I mean, that's for, for everybody. That's not a mundane um, activity. Um, um, but um, I think that sometimes the lines may be um, drawn more uh, strongly to make points. If you want to differentiate between philanthropic and altruistic activities and Krishna Bhakti, it may be important in your preaching to draw a strict line so that distinction can be made. Hmm? So that we don't confuse the two. We don't think that Sankirtan uh, of the Holy Name is equal to um, you know, opening a hospital. That would be a form of, which is a pious activity, form of namaparad, to think that the, the chanting of the Holy Name is pious, like other other pious activities, uh, as is mentioned in the Purana. So you want to make a strong line sometimes, and Prabhupada sometimes did that when he was preaching in the West and differentiating between bhakti and um, philanthropic and altruistic activities of a mundane nature. And there's obviously a difference between prema and kama, and uh, between love and, 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 and lust, if you will, and philanthropic and altruistic, altruistic activities as good as they are materially, they are still, nonetheless, a manifestation of karma. Hmm? Um, they're arising out of the bodily conception of life, and uh, and um, that you know from that worldview, from that kind of perspective, and uh, that's a materially conditioned perspective, and materially conditioned reality is one in which. On some level, the persons involved are, are takers rather than givers, because the body itself, the mind, the na- nature is placing demands upon us. We're having to meet them. I mean, there is there's a gradation, right? But it's not such. The gradation doesn't go from gross selfishness, material selfishness, to very, very subtle, refined material selfishness, and then turn into preem. It doesn't work like that. Hmm? Prem is, is a manifestation of the sarup shakti, hmm? and kam is a, is a manifestation of the influence of the of the maya shakti. So it's not like you, you refine the maya, refine sattva guna, and it turns into suda sattva. Suda sattva is, is is not constituted of the mode of material goodness. It's the it's the internal uh, shakti of Krishna. And the Maya Shakti, even the Sattva Guna, is the external. Hmm. So it's important to make that uh, philosophical uh, distinction. <clears throat> um, that said, um, at the same time, it, you cannot uh, dismiss the fact that the, the, the such calm, if you will, hmm, 
which is about serving one's own senses or one's own sense of self. You know, I, I'm a human. I should. It's a good human thing to do. It's the best thing to do. It's. I'm not an American. I'm a. I'm a, a human of the planet, and and I'm a. I'm a. I'm a being, like other animals. I should be kind to them. You know, as far as you you know, when I want to go with it, so to speak, without coming out of the material. Uh, conception of life, you can get a real subtle, broad, and pretty nice material you know, conception, if you will, compared to some of them that are that are out there on the end of taking. Um, but uh, the, the, the the point here here is that I'm making is that the material life and material love, let's say, and material selflessness, it is a shadow of the substance of real love. Hmm. So they're not entirely disconnected. Uh, that's a unique relationship between the Swarup Shakti and the Maya Shakti that allows us to call Radha Durga also. Hmm. Uh, you know, Prabhupada would give a simple example. One energy, heating and cooling. They, they're two different, but influences, Yoga Maya, Mahamaya, you can you know talk about it like that. But one is like the shadow of the other, which is the substance. And so there's something you can see, arguably, about the substance in the shadow hmm, that you're chasing that can't be found entirely. Hmm. But, uh, but it, it can be, material nature can be edifying and can take you in that, uh, the right, you know, direction, um, and so forth. So the material manifestations of love, philanthropic wealth, welfare, a sacrificing, if within you some self-sacrificing tendency comes, well, that's, that's in your interest. If you should be touched by bhakti, then hmm, you've already developed some measure of self-sacrificing comparison to thieves and rogues, you know, you're going to be uh, a, a work for the Peace Corps or something. You know, do something good uh, for the world. Hmm. So, um, uh, it's said. Another example. It said, "Lokavatu lilakaiwalayam." So, the world is uh, born out of love. It's a lila means hmm, it's love driven. Uh, love means there's no reason. Vishnu is full in himself. He makes the world not because he needs something, but because he's full and he, he expands himself. Mm-hmm. And he expands himself in relation to the material nature that he presides over, and so there's a world. And it goes on. But it's born. You can say the world is born out of love. Mm-hmm. And its purpose is to taste love. So... We are born out of love, and we have to learn to make love, right? To uh, to realize our our purpose. So how do you how do you make love? Well, then you go to Vishnu because he made love, and that's the world. <laughs> and he makes the world. The reason the world is manifest is, in one sense, is well, you know, to give the jivas a chance to have forms, come in touch with bhakti, and get liberated. And go to Bhagavanta. So it's an overflow. It's born. So there's. So you you know you don't want to say you could say 
Kam is not Prem. The world is about Kam, and the Paravyom, the spiritual world, is about Prem. The two shall never, never, the two shall, twain shall meet, right? So, uh, you could, and then there's a purpose in making that kind of distinction, but then there's more subtle ways to look at it as well, and, um, and the, the scriptures themselves encourage people to move, however indirectly, in the direction of transcendental love, um, even when they're promoting material acquisition, which is maya, which is illusion, which is selfishness, the whole karma kanda section of the texts, What's it for? Just to delude people? No. It's for people who are interested in, in, in prabriti, in acquisition. That's where they're at. In terms of their evolution as a self, they're interested in acquiring. And they, they think that happiness will come from that. And, and the jnanis are told what? Don't disturb their minds. Right. Hmm? Because they 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 want things. Don't come and tell them things are bad. You ruin the party. Says, but there's the there's the karma section of the Vedas. It allows that. It promotes it. And you do this, and you do it like this, and then you can go to heaven too. You can get it, and you can go to heaven, and so forth. This is scripture is doing this. So is the scripture just in Maya, <laughs> or does it have some far-reaching you know uh, perspective? When you pursue material happiness in accordance with the injunctions in the scripture, well, as I often say, the fruit, the real fruit, the hidden fruit, is that you develop faith in the scripture. If you develop faith in revelation, you're developing faith in God, and then you look closer and you go, well, look at this. It says that you can live eternally, you know, and you're not human, and there's, and there's more, less is more. Well, that's cool. Uh, so now it's time for Brahma Jignasu. So, so um, uh, you know there may be a place, as I say, for differentiation. This is material welfare. This is spiritual welfare, and then there may be a place for encouraging um, material welfare as well, or an appearance of such, for that matter. Uh, um, Krishna says in the Gita that I'm the fire of digestion. So it's possible that you could be Krishna conscious and just feeding people. The, is a, the Krishna's the fire of digestion. Let me feed the, Let me feed him. Hmm? If you're in that consciousness, you could be doing welfare work and Krishna, fully Krishna conscious at the same time. Um, so it's a, and then that is a kind of kind of a question of perspective. But I think um, you know there is some place for encouraging people in terms of where they're at. The scriptures show that example and something is better than nothing and you take people however gradually in the right um, uh, direction. So, you know, you're talking about Nityananda Prabhu and his associates, these guys can do anything. Hmm? When Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakwa said, and we'll invite the English here and if we have to, we'll serve meat so that they'll, because they, that, that's all they'll eat so that they'll hear the Bhagavatam. Well, not anybody can, just anybody can do that, but he was, he was prepared to do that. He had, you can't say he was, so I will. You know, he, he, they, these associates, the, like Nityananda Prabhu, Dwarasa Gopal, they can do anything. 
I mean, if you can play with tigers like Mari Chaitanya as if they were kittens, well, you can do anything. Um, so, uh, they what they did really, but set aside what they did is they they just said, I'm, I'm with these people, I know their material plight, I'm one of them, in this birth, I would deliver them all. And so I think that their welfare activities were, you know, really intertwined, if you will, with the spiritual dispensation. But then again, in the broader sense, outside of that, the line is sometimes you need to differentiate, to demarcate clearly to make a philosophical point. And uh, sometimes it can be it can be blurred a little bit in the context of of uh, about reach on the part of powerful uh, devotees. It's possible, and have a have a good result, spiritual result. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've said before and written about it too that the material compassion, if you will, is a shadow of the substance of spiritual compassion. Um, so you want to pass through the shadow hmm, into the substance, but when you do that, does that mean that you look at everybody who's materially suffering and say, well, that's just their karma? Tough karma. Hmm? Is that how you feel? That's not how great saints seem to feel. They don't. They don't earn in some kind of repression like that. And I've given an example, and I'll, I'll give it again. One of my godbrothers was. Uh, um, his name is Bhadri Narayan, and he was on a in the Calcutta, uh, the rented house we had there as a temple. And he was out on the balcony, and Prabhupada was out on the balcony, I believe it was him. And then there were some beggars down there. One of them had, like, no hand or something like that. He turned to Prabhupada and said, You know, Prabhupada, sometimes I feel sorry for these people, for their material condition, for their karma, and so forth. And he was saying it like, the impression I got was like, I know I'm in Maya for feeling like that about them, and it's just mundane, you know, Welfare and the real welfare is spiritual life and so forth, but that's how I feel. And Prabhupada turned to him and said, "Why only sometimes?" Hmm. So there's a great soul who's fully absorbed in spiritual compassion and who taught, "Don't save the dress of a drowning man." Hmm? Helping people materially is not the solution. You got to help them spiritually. You got to go to the root cause. All the material problems are only symptoms of the disease. He taught all those things too. But how did he feel? If he saw anyone suffering in any way, hmm, then he he had compassion for them. Hmm? Unless it was the Yamadutas in the fifth candle. He kind of liked that picture. (laughs) There's a place for that too. Yeah. There was a time in Mayapur when Prabhupada was standing on a roof and he saw some children, I think, eating. You know, people were throwing their clay pots out in the prasad and the children were going through them and trying to do a hug. And Prabhupada turned to one of his disciples and said, no one in Mayapur should go hungry. Yeah.
Yeah. Another example is when they, when Prabhupada went to, I think it was Agra, and um, I forget it was with him, one, one disciple. Mm-hmm. And he, they saw the statue of, of Gandhi, and then he paid his obeisances to the statue of Gandhi. Was Bhagwat, Bhagwat Maharaj, and then he probably said, "Don't tell anybody." <laughs> so, because he would teach Gandhi, what is this material? You know, politician. He had a political understanding of the Gita, you know, and so on and so forth. But he was a great man. In another, in another measure, he did a, a great thing, and he. You know, so, I think that uh, you know, really substantial spiritual experience and so forth. And and spiritual compassion, like this, doesn't leave one with this hard-hearted position. This is calm. This is brain. But they know that reality nonetheless. They teach that. So, something like that. That help? Yeah. Bhagavat Maharaj told me that after Prabhupada paid his obeisances, they were walking in Juhu, and. Um, the Prabhupada tears were just coming out of Prabhupada's eyes mm-hmm. after seeing the statue of Gandhi. Yeah. yeah. And he left Gandhi's movement to join Bhaktisiddhanta. Mm-hmm. Sridhar also. It was a powerful movement. How many, imagine what young men, every young man in India was caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And they left for the preaching of Bhaktisiddhanta. But they, in his own measure, he was a a great man, sacrificer of a material, you know, sort. But so, yeah, it's some room for not for blurring the lines a little, a little bit. You could call him a giver. Yeah, materially speaking, he was a, he was a sacrificer. Yeah. I was thinking how when one becomes very advanced in bhakti, he looks back and sees everyone in his life as helping him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, why wait to get advanced? <laughs> okay, we'll stop there. Shri Shri Varada Madhava Ki Jai Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai